Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper here, sports broadcaster in the UK. Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installation. Thank you to Jason Briggs and his team for their continued support of the podcast. Also, tremendously grateful for Cytoplan's continued association with the podcast supplement company based in Hanley Swan in the west of England, not far from where I'm recording this in Cheltenham. Uh, but more importantly, they've offered us the opportunity of a discount with the podcast, 30% off your first purchase, 10% thereafter with the code at checkout, Draper 10 Ah, oh, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one, zero, and the capital letter R. We've been taking the supplements for 20 plus years as a family. And also want to mention, don't forget, we're so intent on helping you enjoy life. We've teamed up with the Whole Man Academy and arranged for some of you lucky listeners to get 100% free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey. And he promises here, Anthony, being a guest on the podcast, by the end of the session, you'll be much clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. He's a trained professional, Anthony Asprey, been on the podcast. Listen back to his conversation with myself to understand what they do there. And this is an opportunity for a guy that does command decent fees, I have to say, with a, to have a complimentary session. Only five available each month. Act fast, schedule yours through the link in the show notes to this podcast. Right, on to the podcast. Brilliant to have former Cheltenham Town player, former Gloucester City player and real coaching business guru now, Andy Tucker. Andy Tucker Soccer School spread far and wide and his new or his relatively new franchise, Super Strike, is now spreading across the whole of England and potentially into Scotland as well as he explains here. Here he is. Good to catch up with the one and only Andy Tucker. And we're up and running. Andy Tucker, great to see you. And you. Yeah, good to see you. I haven't seen you for a few years. We bumped into each other at the, the Royal Mail <laughs> delivery yeah. parcel pickup. Which Picking was, up our parcels. Yeah. Was good to see you. But um, we're just talking about your, your new role, which is fast becoming a, a, a sort of like equivalent to your main role, which is you're coaching Bishop's Cleave as a development uh, manager there. How's that all going? It must be great to be back in, but you're saying it's more work than you anticipated. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a Bishop's Cleave lad, so... Um, uh, I, I did play for them for four or five years as well at the end of my career. So um, my, with my lad who's 16, um, who's in the, the uh, youth team at Cleve this season, I just decided to put my services forward and try, try to get back involved again. Um, and we, we've sort of set up the under-18s and a brand new sort of development team, which is going to be... Um, uh, basically the better youth team players plus a lot of younger local players and just give them an opportunity to try and get into the first team yeah so um yeah i, I sort of started the pre-season training a few weeks ago but uh i've since realized my phone has got a lot busier <laughs> over the last few weeks with uh, various excuses as to why certain people can't turn up training or to matches and, th- and that you're trying to get teams for pre-season games are you and things like that so it's figuring out if you've got enough players and... yeah so uh, literally we're, we're sort of overseeing two teams so it's sort of double the workload um, and we have various um, friendlies for both teams and yeah it's obviously juggling 
family holidays and um, unavailability injuries etc and just just trying to get enough players to each uh, friendly and training session we put on it's, it's funny it's a common theme and I, I mentioned I've got a friend who, who coached up at the rugby club near you actually in, in Bishop's Cleve that area the Tigers and he was talking about this logistics of it and how there's multiple apps now for different teams within the rugby squad rugby club and you've got to post on this app and then ultimately you still come down to the old school ringing them up are you playing are you not available are you unavailable but it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think we sense that technology has been brilliant and, and developed developed us. But actually, it seems like we've got too much communication now, so it's too easy for for people to evade things. Whereas in the old days, like we were saying when we were lads, it would be like you had to you had to ring your manager and say, "I'm really sorry." You had to speak to his yeah. wife and ask to speak to him on the landline, and then say, "I'm really sorry, I can't play on Saturday because I've got to go to a wedding or whatever it was." Yeah, it's um, like I said, I've sort of been out of the semi-pro game now for about 10, 12 years, so. I have noticed a difference straight away. Um, like I said, back, back 10, 12 years ago, you did have to communicate with your manager mm. and explain exactly why you couldn't play a match, whether it was injury or unavailability. Uh, nowadays, uh, we've been using a WhatsApp group for, for the teams and um, it's simply a thumbs up or thumbs down whether someone's available <laughs> for the next game. And uh, I would say about 50% of them would reply with either, but then I have to chase up the other yeah. 50% and chase them up Because they haven't made their mind up yet. <laughs> and we don't know whether there's going to be 10 players turn up or 15 players turn up. So it's like constantly chasing people um, to, to make a decision or just to basically reply to the group chat whether they're available or not. So if you said to them, which was kind of the old school philosophy, if you said, let us know if you're not available, we'll assume you are available, that, that wouldn't work. You well... I haven't tried it yet, but I sense it probably we would end up with not enough players to play the game. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said, I've noticed that it is a slightly different sort of setup nowadays. It's um, It was a lot more sort of committed, I think, 10, 12 years ago, and you literally played unless you had a, a mm. proper excuse, even at semi-professional level. I think nowadays it seems to me like... Um, it's easy to drop out. Yes, we got players dropping out because they want to go and view a car. We got other players. <laughs> I've had so many excuses, and I've only been doing it for two weeks. So um, someone did warn me that the manager at Bishop's Cleve, Paul Collico, is a good friend of mine. Did warn me that you know they're, they're a different sort of beast nowadays. The the players. So I've got to know that quite quickly. Yeah, I suppose it's just the culture that you grow up with. And I think if you're old enough, I'm 41 now, to remember the days, even socially, when you say on a Friday night you'd say to your friends, I'll meet you in town tomorrow by the fountain at whatever time. Yeah. And it'd be like, you kind of had to be there because unless you were going to ring their parents early in the morning on the landline and say, I can't make it. Yeah. You sort of, and you had to sort of work out your journey to get there at a certain time and, and get the yeah. train and et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it is interesting how yeah, the mobile phones allow people just to five minutes before something say, oh, I'm going to be half an hour late or yeah. I'm going to be an hour late yeah. or actually I can't make it. And then you're like, oh, that's a bit, it's a bit strange. But if you come from a previous world where plans had to be firmer it, it can be sort of perplexing yeah and I can also remember you used to know people's home numbers off by heart mm. didn't you like, you used to know your friends and family yeah you just like nowadays I couldn't probably tell you what my wife's mobile number is no because it's just automatically in your phone isn't it and yeah so it's just I can remember our home number back in the olden days and we used to we used yeah. to go to my friend Dan he used to orchestrate all our social stuff so he'd be ringing people on the landline and his mum would make us she'd print out her phone bill and make us go through and identify our numbers <laughs> and work out how much he'd spent of their family yeah. phone bill or whatever so which was always he was like Diana don't put that one in there and you know <laughs> 
Uh, it's good, good times. But how are you finding that then? It sounds like you've got your hands full with, with Bishop's Cleave, the developmental side of it. But how are you finding that with the, the Andy Tucker soccer schools, which you said to me is, is thriving? Yeah, yeah. so um, so my personal situation has slightly changed over the last 12 months. Um, so um, my full-time employee, who has been my head coach for the last 10 years, um, Ash Bull, um, I've now given him the reins to basically look after the local uh, coaching side of things yeah so he does the day-to-day management uh, the staffing the um, booking the schools and the holiday camps etc um, so I don't have too much involvement on a day-to-day basis um, I do sort of see Ash several times each week so we might communicate with things and mm. he might ask advice for certain things but generally it's his decision on how things develop um, on a day-to-day basis um, so we also obviously run a company called Super Strikers, which has also been sort of up and running for 15 years. And that's um, more specialist preschool coaching. So yeah. sort of aiming for the two to five year old age group. Um, so we sort of maxed out uh, the Cheltenham and Gloucester area about six, seven years ago, um, doing seven days a week classes in various locations. And um, two or three years ago, we decided to actually, we've got a product which is 90% full Mm. and we think it works and we tweaked it to to think get the best out of this age group um so we decided to to go a franchise route with it and yeah. see if we can sort of um take on franchises around the country um so my role now is basically to be account manager for for all the franchises around the country and basically promote and sort of get more franchises on board so I've been concentrating on that full time for the last 12 months and um, we're now up to 30 franchises around the country, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, good for um, you. But yeah, it's just so I, I just manage those 30 and um, help and support them on a daily basis and um, go up, pop in and visit them. And the thing is, we are quite spread out though. So it's not sort of um, isolated to one area of the UK. We've got one in Cornwall. And we have what we've taken one on in the Scottish borders now as well. So you try to get as far away from so, Cheltenham as possible. But I, t- I actually really like traveling the country and just going to new towns and new villages yeah. and places I've never, you know, I, I, yes, I used to play football. So we used to play against lots of teams, but you literally just Off turn up on the bus into the change room, play the game and then come home. So you didn't actually see the towns. So it's actually nice just to, to travel the country and see new towns new places and um yeah it's, it's andy great. tucker's uk tour how, how does it work then who are these people who come to you and say i want an andy tucker franchise or i want the, the super strikers franchise are they yeah, football so, clubs or are they councils? no so it's quite diverse they're individuals mm. um so it's really diverse and i think actually covid sort of maybe helped us a little bit with the uptake because i think people sort of reevaluated where they were in life and mm. Did they really want to stay in the job they were in for the rest of the... And I think COVID actually made people stop and think what they actually yeah. wanted to do. And I think the beauty of becoming a Super Strikers franchise is we don't put any pressure on anyone saying targets and things like that. It's literally how can it work for them as an individual? So do you want to just do it on a Saturday morning, for example, one session, two sessions, mm. or do you want to do it full time or do you want to do it 50% of the time? There's no like you have to do this. So 
it's very diverse. We have some licensed coaches who are full-time teachers, Monday to Friday, yeah, and they just do two or three sessions at a weekend to supplement their income. Yeah, just like what's a loan, loan coaches? Yeah, so yeah. basically they just run a Saturday morning at a venue in their local town or village. So they rent the venue. Yeah, and so then, they run it as yeah. their own business, but then it just supplements their income. Yes. We get other licensed coaches who basically do it 50% of the time. So they might do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Super strikers in various locations, and then Monday to Wednesday they might have another job. How did they learn about super strikers? If you're in Cornwall or the Scottish borders, how did you know about so, Andy Tucker and what's so going on we, here? Yeah, we did have two or three franchises who basically came on board before we sort of set the program up properly. So the the Cornwall team was one of our original franchises, and it was actually a friend of mine called Jamie Thompson who. Um, was actually coaching for AT soccer camps and was living in Cheltenham. Yeah. And then he was in the Navy for a certain amount of time. And basically after his Navy stint, he basically stayed in Cornwall. Nice. And then he approached me and said, you know, can we set up yeah. you know, some coaching under it's your good, name? Good of him because he could have probably borrowed a lot of the content exactly. without telling yeah. you. Yeah, so, um, so, so that, was, that sort of came about. Um, from a coach who worked for us in the Cheltenham area. And it's the same with the Newcastle uh, mm. branch, actually. Steve Cheel, who's a friend of mine from Bishop's Cleeve, he met a lovely Newcastle girl. And um, obviously. <laughs> they always wanted my brother met one as well. They always want to go oh, home as well. Exactly. Yeah. I think. Uh, so Steve, I think, had to move up to Newcastle. And um, actually, Steve's a good case because he was in a, uh, a shift job. He's, um, he's in his 30s and, you know. He's got a family, he's got a mortgage. Mm. So he couldn't give up his job and solely go with Super Strikers immediately because quite a big jump to start up a so brand new business. build it up to a point. So he was doing shift work, which he really didn't like. Mm. So he started just doing weekends and then he started Saturday morning. He filled up immediately. He then opened Sunday morning. And then luckily he managed to get a day off work in the week and do some more sessions. And then last September, he actually managed to go full-time because he hit that mark of money coming in mm -hmm. that he could actually go full-time with it and uh, yeah he's been full-time since last September so Monday to Friday or Monday uh, to no, Sunday yeah, I think he does yeah Monday to Sunday um full-time and uh, he loves he loves working with kids so he, he's gone from a job which he really didn't like to now a job where he's working with kids on a daily basis. I miss it a lot because I used to coach. Um, I coached at Loughborough when I was playing at Loughborough, but that was lads my own age. But then it was going in the summers to the States in particular. I did a bit for Kidminster Harriers over here, but going out and, and it was Great Britain Buckeye Soccer School in Ohio and oh, you'd wow. have yeah. stay with families, but you'd coach for five, six hours a day and then sometimes yeah. there's evening camps as well. And like you say, if you're, if you're a sociable person and you like football, yeah. it's a brilliant atmosphere to be around, isn't it? And it, yeah, it, it lifts, you, lifts you up. And I think once you're out of that environment and you're in a more sedate sort of way, yeah. way of life, it's, it's quite, it's quite yeah. difficult. And it's actually working with this age group is, is really quite unique and fun as well because, you know, I've managed to work with literally children from two to 18 yeah um so obviously you get different issues at different i mean you're changing nappies with two-year-olds no like, so no. so luckily it is a parent and toddler activity okay so yes it sounds daunting two to five-year-olds you think oh blimey but <laughs> actually the parents are in the room with you good so it's so rewarding coaching two to five-year-olds yeah. because you can see the development week on week and it's not just football so we're not yes we are a football class but there's so much more to it mm. a lot of these children this is the first time they've been in a class situation 
So you're, you're building up their social interaction with others, their confidence building, you're working on coordination skills, and we also incorporate it's a lot of counting, colours, yeah. shapes. So yes, it's based on football, but it's a lot more rounded product than just a football. Product. And understanding a grown-up speaking to you, which is a challenge for the grown-up to communicate with people yeah. at that age, but also for them, it's before school, so they're getting used to that concept before they go exactly. to school. Exactly, yeah. And there's a little bit more leeway with that age group because there's one two-year-old to another that is so different. Yeah. You know, we generally find if they have older siblings... They're a bit more robust. They're a bit more understandable about the situation. But then you get children who may be the eldest child who are coming in for the first time. And, you know, it, it, it's so, 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 yeah. I remember our conversation before, I think it must have been 2019, and we were talking about the differences because I have a little girl between girls and boys and mm. just how razor sharp she was. She yeah. decided to potty train herself at two because her bigger cousin was potty trained and very, from the get-go, very coordinated, could kick yeah. with both feet, even though she's... I think to frustrate me so she doesn't like football but yeah. she's had the raw ingredients whereas you see some lads and they're sort of off with yeah. the fairies still at two or three aren't yeah they? yeah definitely I mean obviously we we get uh, a quite a split into girls and boys at that age group mm. um, the girls are generally a little bit quieter but mm. if you give them a simple instruction generally they take it on quite quickly and they understand you straight away boys are a little bit more sort of you know they want to push Head each strong. other around and go and do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's important when you're coaching this age, you let them have their own, you know, if you're too strict or too, um, it can't be too like, you have to do this. It, you have to give them that They're going to chase the ball. Don't exactly. try and be too rigid. Yeah. yeah, but it's great because like I said, the first time they come in, generally what happens is the two-year-old sees the football, immediate thing is to pick the ball up with their hands mm. or to kick it as hard as they possibly can. <laughs> that are the two things which generally happen when they first yeah. come in. Um, so when you actually see them, when they come in week two, week three, when they get that ball, the first thing they do is kick it. Secondly, they're not kicking it all the way around the room. They're actually doing little kicks and Dri- keeping it close. It. Yeah, yeah. It's so rewarding. Actually, that is the message is getting, you know, and if you say stop, they stop it with their foot. They don't pick it up. And it's so rewarding that, they're picking up these little instructions to so get finesse, coordination, exactly, and yeah. sort of sense of tone yeah. of how 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 degrees of, of velocity that you hit. Exactly. Like so that, yeah. I actually, if I had a choice of what age group I was coaching, I generally like the real young ones because I can see the development mm. week on week. There's brain things going on there as well, isn't there? Neuroplasticity, that kind yes. of stuff. Yeah, there is, and um, but I like the watching them grow as an individual as mm. well. So it's like when they first come in, they're hiding behind mum and dad's leg. Don't even want to know you. Who's this man? Who was he telling me what to do? Mm. And then like you say, week three or week four, they run in, they're jumping on you because they're so happy to see you. It's just so rewarding. Because yeah, they do have a natural, I remember my daughter in the park, if she ran blindly and then she saw a man, she'd kind of go, oh, yeah. run off. And there was kind of like a primeval kind of fear, well, understandably of, mm. of strange men, I guess. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting as a, a male coach, you have to get past that with little kids. Don't yeah. take a young girls, I think. Yeah, and I think you'll probably find as with this age group as well, if they're in a nursery setting or preschool setting, you generally find the majority of the staff and teachers are female at that mm. age group. So obviously, if they're coming in and there's a male teacher, mm. I think that's unusual for them at that age as well. Yeah. Um, so it's getting over that, but it is so rewarding. Um, 
And then obviously as you get older and you go into like the nine, 10, 11 year olds, then it, you get different issues. Then you get, you know, so competitive. Mm. If they haven't won that little match at the end, you know, some of them just can't cope. When, when should boys and girls not play together? What's your opinion? Because you'll know more. What, what, yeah, what is so, the key area? So obviously a toddler age group, absolutely fine. Mix mm. them in, no problem at all. Even like key stage one, the first sort of area of primary school. I think Five, five to eight, is that? Key? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. up to, to eight. And then I generally find when children get to about year three, the boys just get a little bit more competitive. Mm. Where the girls... Still love to play football, but they don't really care what the score is yeah. at the end of the match. Whereas the boys, that is the be-all and end-all. And if they haven't won, it's everyone else's fault. And, you know, it's tears at the end of it. Because just boys, I think, are generally ultra-competitive in a sporting environment at yeah. that age. Um, so I think, you know, maybe in the top end of the primary school is, is sort of the age. However, say, having said that, not everyone's the same. Mm. So, you know, there there are super competitive girls out there who also want to win. And there's obviously boys who mm. don't mind, you know, so I'm, I don't want to sort of put everyone in the same No, it's, it's but yeah. all on a spectrum. And typically yeah. girls maybe one side and boys are the other on a, on a spectrum. But it's, it is interesting because we had the sports day and because of COVID and the pandemic and lockdown and stuff, we hadn't really had a proper sports day for my little girl. She's in just uh, completed year two. So third year of primary school. And it's funny because her and Emanuela, I think one of the other girls in the class, are, are sort of two of the fastest. But kind of in the in the race, I think they gave her a medal, even though she came like third. But because she was sort of chatting at the start, hi, my little girl, and, not, and didn't really care where she finished. And was like, you know, there's one lad just fell over because he was so competitive. He rolled across the lanes and things. And it was just interesting that already that difference, mm -hmm. difference in it. Um, that I'm sure she, and it's like as a dad, you're like, no, I've got to, Kurt, I, I don't want to put, my perspective on her because maybe that's the sort of competitiveness mm. that eats you up as well you don't want to be yeah. know, too much like that so it's nice that she's relaxed and phlegmatic about it but it yeah is and they're all individuals aren't they you know and every child is different from from the other one and especially in the toddler age group you know there you have to be so adaptable to each individual you know so one of them might need more help and support um well the other one needs to be left on their own mm. um you know you have to adapt to each individual there's no like set rule that you have to basically deal with all toddlers like this you know yeah. you have to be totally adaptable to each individual so super strikers what are the unique characteristics without giving it away that someone's yeah. going to write some notes down now listening to this but what are the unique aspects of it that, that i guess make it a package that you can distribute around the country yeah so so like i said for, from the actual coaching side of things it's football fun for the toddler age group it's basically giving them an introduction to to basic football skills but in a fun environment we're basically just trying to build their love up of football mm. from an early age that's what it's all about and we're not looking for the next you know best player in the world although we have had some seriously very good players <laughs> at that age group and you're thinking wow um but you know the most important thing is they finish super strikers and they love football mm. that's what we're trying to achieve the actual coaching and coming on board it's like giving people the opportunity to do something which maybe they always wanted to do but haven't had the opportunity to do um so it's like i said we, we're totally flexible on anyone who's coming on board to deliver super strikers and it's it's what works for them how can it fit into their lifestyle to make mm. it work for them so that those are the coaches and do you do they have to have a level two coaching badge or is it not necessarily no, no. so we we Coaching super strikers, we have a structure to our lesson. Mm. So 
you know, I'm hoping if you went to see a Super Striker session in Cornwall or Newcastle, you could see that the actual... So the warm-ups are similar, there's a similar sequence. There's the structure of the lesson, you can see, oh yeah, that's Super Strikers. Um, However, what we do encourage is each coach brings their own personality Mm. to the class. We don't want robotic sessions, so we don't want them to read from a manual saying, I have to do this, I have to do that. Yeah. Every coach we have on board is an individual, and they deliver it in their own unique way. They might bring their own little things to the session, which we, again, fully encourage. Um, so hopefully, you know, like I say, if you saw two Super Strike sessions in two parts of the country, you could see us the same company because there's certain things we do. However, that coach delivers that in a slightly different way to that coach, hmm. which is what we, we really want to to sort of see yeah and is it, do, they, do you encourage them to practically observe another super striker session yes. before they go yes. out and do it just not not read them definitely manual. yeah so so obviously everyone gets coaching um the, the session plans and all that so so basically they are they are working from like a book just to see what we do in each session however um we fully encourage them before they deliver their first session to go and watch as many super striker sessions as they possibly can and different coaches just to get an idea of how each mm. individual coach sort of delivers the class, yeah. It's brilliant, isn't it? What about your personal feelings on it? Because obviously you've got you've got this product that someone can now outsource. Do you fear, and a lot of people fear this in business, I remember hearing Tony Robbins talk about this, a self-development person, like he had this anxiety when he was younger that other people could do, you know, it's the old commercial television adverts about self-development and stuff in their day. Mm. Other people now can do podcasts, YouTube about self-development. He was like, well, I just have to believe in my products and actually... Yeah. There may be a, a, a fragmentation later on where they go off and do their own thing. How do you, how do you sort of see yeah. that, that balance of stuff? Yeah, I mean, um, yes, obviously, um, we live in a world today where I think a lot of people um, sort of set up their own business and think they, you know, mm. deliver what what they're good at. Um, so, for us, it's it's believing in what we have. Um, we've we've got a lot of experience. You know, we've got 16, 17 years of delivering classes to that age group. And um, there are, you know, other companies who do do similar mm. around the country. Um, but it's just believing in what you're delivering is of a good standard. Yeah. And, you know, like the, the experience we have in the background of what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, and it's just believing in your own product and you, in the way you deliver it is you know going to be enough for people to sign up to you and you're mentoring these people which is significant they're not just relying on their own motivation and yeah. own analysis that you're actually able to sort of learn from your exactly near, near two decades yeah so so everything's you know if a licensed co- franchise comes on board it's literally everything's in place for them you know the website's built the e-commerce systems in place the back office systems in place the session plans are there you know there's literally very little they need to do apart from advertising book venues so you you literally can set up a business pretty quickly if you come mm. on board as a super striker coach with our experience in the background um so so yeah it's um you know it, it's it's a great opportunity if, if if people are great working with with kids you know they, they can tap into an existing business really yeah and no, i think that's the thing is it's that passion that you have and that experience you have to back that and it's because you can always talk yourself out of doing anything to say oh anyone could do this or someone else could mm. steal the idea but ultimately you have to but you know there's there's a million plumbers in the world but if you're a really yeah. good plumber you're going to get work aren't you that's exactly the, that's the yeah that's the reality of it often it's like something that's completely new is harder to harder to make as a as a business i wanted to ask you about the pandemic uh, because i think i was lucky i was a freelance broadcaster for a long time but i was set up employed at sky sports over that period and there was an initial period where we were kind of like 
almost half time from March 2020 to the Premier League resuming in June 2020. But I realised for a lot of people, very difficult with the protracted lockdowns in and out of lockdowns. How was it, how was it for you? Yeah, so um, on a personal note, um, obviously with the businesses, it was when it was working with, with kids, it was really, um, it was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And the, the rules were very sort of unclear. With, yeah. Can we do these sessions or can't we? There, was, there wasn't a clear it yes or no. Now that we know what we know about COVID, about not really you know, yeah. spreading outdoors <laughs> and stuff, it was, it's it, wild. Exactly. And um, so from business side of things, it was really tough because we weren't sure whether we're, are we allowed to do these sessions? Aren't we allowed? The rule says if you're working with kids, you're allowed. But then our sessions were toddler and parent, uh, toddler and parent activity. So actually parents are in the room, so we're not allowed. And then, oh, maybe we're allowed if we go outside. And so it was very much when we started a few times and then the rules changed and we had to stop. And You can't get toddlers to distance either, can you? No, exactly. So it was it was obviously a tough time business side, side of things. Um, however, on a personal side of things, that's, that's when I sort of went from sort of coaching all the local stuff um, on seven days a week to actually, do you know what? Here's my, I've always had, had it in my head that I wanted to, franchise super strikers but when you're coaching seven days a week got a family at home mm. you just I just didn't have the time to actually put it in place yeah and I think COVID was the was when everything stopped so you drew out all the documents that <clears throat> you sort of yeah. articulating what the sequences of the sessions are and things like that so that was the the plan was always that when I got into my 40s it was I you know I, I can't when you're coaching sort of youngsters you know, it's, it really is quite a young person's mm. game, really. And I didn't really want to be getting into my 50s, 60s, still having to chase around toddlers yeah. on a daily basis, seven sense, days a week. They can sense sort of youth. I think they like a, a yeah, fresh, fresh face. That's maybe, right. Yeah. They do. So so my plan was to, to try and basically franchise super strikers around the country. But like I said, when you're coaching seven days a week, you've got family at home, It is you do need time and to, to actually put everything in place properly, mm. not just do it sort of without everything in the background. So COVID was the moment I was at home and everything was done in the background. So we put a proper package together. We got the documents ready in the background, got the insurance all sorted. We got the coaching sessions done properly. So literally over about a six month period, I solely worked on getting everything ready yeah. Was that, was that difficult to be that discipline with all the uncertainty or did you just get your, get out of your mind with the news and stuff and just focus yeah so work? so it was literally the first few weeks it was literally oh this is quite nice just saying at home not, well <laughs> actually the first few weeks was just dealing with all the work issues then so, it then it's it, nice I, weather in the uk i thought that spring <laughs> yeah. wasn't it 2020 april was beautiful yeah and i can remember just having like a week to two weeks like not doing too much it's like oh this is quite nice and then after a while it was like actually i'm going to use this time i sort of got mm. my sort of head round it right this is my opportunity to actually do what I wanted to do and um, luckily I made the right decision put everything in place and then obviously I, when we come out of Covid situation I then decided obviously my head coach is going to take on all the local stuff free me up 
and then yeah basically that's that's been great ever since yeah must be a, it must be a difficult process to hand over the reins it's like handing over a baby is it is it was very it difficult big for you? because it was 1994 when I first started it I was playing for Cheltenham Town at the time and I was one of these young players who you know we finished training at midday I wanted to I didn't want to just go home and sleep mm. um because so you were semi-pro at the time or yes. nearly pro? Well, I was actually pro because I left school and we were full-time mm. at the time. So, mm. um, yeah, so I went as a full-time professional. But I was like, um, I, I, need, I, I thought I'm going to use this time. That's when I did my coaching qualifications in the, you know, around my training. And I, I wrote to all the local schools. I think I was quite lucky at the time because there was no, you know, back in the mid-90s, there wasn't other mm. coaching companies who went into schools and did our school coaching. It felt like schools were doing more themselves when we were at school. Though. Is yeah. that true that maybe that's yeah, changed? Yeah, I, I generally, yeah, I think your, your one teacher would probably be nominated to do the football, yeah. you know, all the cricket. Our, our, our e-teacher, Mr. Yeah. Butler, at secondary exactly. school, yeah. And then we had so, Mr. Sokolov at my primary school, I think, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was quite lucky at the time because I don't think there's many companies who did after-school clubs or in-school sessions. And obviously, I was playing for Chatham Town at the time, so people knew the name a little bit, which helped me. Um, and I used to just do one school a night um, and then I just, yeah, just developed five nights, there. five nights a week. Yeah. And then you train in the morning for Cheltenham and then play, yeah. play on a Saturday. Yeah, generally. And then obviously if, if we had a midweek game, then so I would get someone else to, to run the session for me. Yeah. And that decision, I still come back to it <clears throat> because there's obviously massive kudos, as you alluded to, being a professional footballer and you had those, the crossroads moment, didn't you? Mm. When you reflect upon it, do you feel 100% you made the, the right decision to go this way? Because it's, it's flourished, yeah. hasn't it, this business? But you could have been a professional player, but you look at the flux that those lives yeah. go through at that level, it's well, tough. Yeah, I mean, when I look back, obviously I had I had two bad knee, op- knee operations when I was 18 and 20. And I think that they were the moment when you realise, okay, this is going to be a semi-professional career. Um, so, you know, I still... I, you know, I don't look back in any regrets whatsoever. You know, I still had a fantastic football career. You know, I played 100 times Chowton Town. I played 250 times at Gloucester City, you know, at a very good level. So, and it was semi-professional. It's like playing so, for Man United in Liverpool, isn't it? Isn't that exactly, a, a you know, and, divide there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially at those times. They were very sort of close when I was playing. Um, so I look back and, you know, I earned reasonably good money from those two in a semi-professional sort of mm-hmm. way so that gave me the opportunity to develop the coaching side and um so yeah I don't look back in with any regrets whatsoever and I look back and I think I'm glad I was switched on at a young age to to sort of do the coaching and sort of I look back and I was 17 when I started the business and my my son is actually 17 next month yeah and you look at him and I think <laughs> when I was his age I actually yeah, yeah. set up and did this business and everything was self-funded as well. You know, it wasn't, nobody was giving me his money to go and set it up. It was literally just all off my own back. Obviously help and support from from my close family. Um, But yeah, you know, it's... it's, Did you have a vision for where it might go? Was it just doing something you enjoyed as alternative to working in a bar or whatever? Yeah, no, it was just literally because I enjoyed it. I can remember when I was a child, I used to love going on these football holiday camps and... I went on a few and I thought, you know, I, I loved doing yeah, it's it. Diff- so. It's different than playing on the weekend, isn't it? Because you've got yeah. like little small-sided games and, and skill drills and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so 
I sort of love. I remember loving going to them. So I thought, no, actually, I can do this. Um, and obviously, I had knee operations, and that's probably when I was like, right, I'm going to concentrate on trying to develop this and push this further. And I can still play football at a decent level, um, but I'm going to concentrate on getting that ready as well. So, so I had a, a something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I, it's it's funny because I think there's this parallels broadcasting as its pros and cons and I'm very lucky to have talked about sport but there are some downsides like we alluded to earlier working every Friday night and every Sunday is a is a challenge and I think some people walk away from that at a certain point and decide it's not for them and you see people who try and get into the industry who it doesn't work for and I think that with professional football it was always the dream for me and there's a few things that I reflect upon probably I've had to work on weekends so I haven't been able to play as much but I used to head the ball quite a lot in my early 20s and now I'm thinking yeah. maybe I remember that days you know that days feeling you'd get yeah. from a booming goal kick yeah. or something or you'd actually think at the time that's just normal but now you look back and that's probably a mild concussion yeah um so there's things mm. things like that you reflect upon but also I, you know covering Cheltenham Town a little bit and you're definitely a legend I think playing for them but I think the soccer schools resonate a lot because I was walking down the prom and a lad came up to me and oh, I'm enjoying the podcast love the Andy Tucker one I went to his soccer school so it's like you are a proper legend through the schools as well in this area a lot of people have been to your soccer schools but I look at the club speaking to people like John Palmer and being fortunate enough to have Michael Duff on the podcast and getting an insight into this world and Michael Duff tried to change the structure at Cheltenham a little bit to two-year contracts create a bit of certainty mm-hmm. But it's, it's an uncertain world at that level oh, as yeah. in League One and Two, and mm. it could end at it could end at any moment, and you might have to move around. And you've had a family, mm. and you've been able to base yourself yeah. here in the, in the town that you love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had the opportunity to sign for a few different teams when I was younger, but I think I was I was a home home man. You know, <laughs> I, my family was based in Cheltenham, and you know, I just wanted to stay stay in Cheltenham. But yeah, looking back, I mean, you look at now I mean everyone thinks oh professional football you know they get paid too much and easy life etc but I think that's you know that's Premier League is completely different to a League One and League Two player you know mm. the, these lads are like 23 24 they get one year contracts they might have young families you know and one year they could be in I don't know Cheltenham the next year they could be in London you know, there's no yeah. complete uncertainty. Tra- lot, travel lodge, staying in travel lodges exactly. or, or renting flats together. Is, you get yeah. to like March and April and you're on a one-year contract. It's like, I don't know whether I'm going to get another contract. If I do, I, I could be anywhere in the world, you know. So I think there's this stigma about, you know, professional football players and oh, easy life and loads of money. But the re- reality is that, you know, it's not down the lower end. No. Yeah, and how, you, you're, you're, obviously your experience has shone through. Your love of it has shone through. These people who do come up to me, how difficult? My wife actually, Carla, asked you on the way in. Actually, how difficult is it for you not being as hands-on coaching the, the youngsters just for that that boost it gives you? I, I'm actually enjoying it at the moment. Mm. Um, it's um, when you, well, I suppose, when you do the same role for 25, 26 years, you're doing the same thing every day. There is a time where you just think. I want a di- I want something different. I want autopilot can yes exactly, and um, so I'm actually enjoying sort of taking on a new role, um, sort of being more of an account manager and looking after people, giving my advice and support. Um, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like I mentioned earlier, traveling the country, seeing new places. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm enjoying the change, but obviously still developing the coaching side which which I put in place so many years ago so it's it's really rewarding actually yeah how do you discipline yourself we talked about this briefly outside as well having a chat in the sunshine about 
your work home life where's where does it the rubber meet the road where does it stop where do you switch your phone off because you're saying how difficult that is as a business owner i think i've just been used to since well since mobile phones come in that when it's your own business you never stop really you know i'm there sunday evenings replying to emails answering phones um, I just think it's an, that's the way I've, I've always done things. It's just because it's my own business, you know, I can't just say, right, mm. I'm, I'm um, going your, home. Your wife's now. accepted it at this point. Well, Carolyn is literally on board with the business anyway. Oh, okay. So, so Carolyn is, um, does a lot of the, the email inquiries, mm. um, a lot of the phone calls. So, um, yeah, we're, we're used to basically, 24 7 7 you know we have well, our phone goes off at seven o'clock on a sunday morning for a simple inquiry you know it's it, it's <laughs> What's your mobile phone by your bed yeah yeah it literally honestly i've answered the phone before i think it's like 7 30 on a sunday morning and you just think it's, it's an important something important or you know and it was literally a real simple that's, inquiry that's interesting but that was that on a mobile phone because yeah it's interesting the cultural difference because in the days of landlines in the 90s, you'd never ring someone's no. landline because it would be a sort of fu- cultural faux pas. Exactly. But what they're probably thinking yeah. is, if they're up, they'll answer, and if not, they'll go to yeah. voicemail and they'll get back to me. So it's, a, it's interesting how that people's behaviour changes. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, a text message is just so easy, isn't it? And yeah. everyone just literally sends messages all times of the day. And, you know, I think with nowadays as well, people expect a response quickly mm. you know then they don't want to wait two days for that answer they and you want don't it. want to be constantly sending messages you want to be planning your business don't you so it's that yeah. it's that balance it's balance yeah it is and um you know I've, I've been out for meals before and you know the phones go in and you know and I, i'm even thinking oh, i'm just going to respond to that because i don't want yeah. to think about it when i'm here but the then meal. if you respond you might yeah, get a response exactly. back and then it's yeah, yeah. But i think it's just because i've been so used because it's your own business you're so used to just trying to respond to people um that's the way i know i suppose yeah what's the best place for people who maybe want to take up super strikers to contact you or also people who might be parents interested in their kids doing andy tucker soccer schools in cheltenham yeah so so anyone who's interested in becoming a super striker licensed coach like i said it's totally flexible you can do it as many times you want in a week um Basically, go to the website, which is www.superstrikers.co.uk. A super is S-U-P-A, mm. so super strikers. Um, and there's a link on there which says become a licensed coach. So it's a, a simple inquiry form. And then we will send you some inf- further information on, you know, what, what it's all about and things like that. Uh, regarding, actually, if you have toddlers who want to basically come along to super strikers, uh, again, the website is probably the best um way to to go about it and um we have like a map feature so you can put in your postcode and then it will come up with uh what classes are are close by to you brilliant that sounds very very technical i want to quickly ask you this is a very esoteric question about police background checks on coaches because Mm -hmm. i've gone through this when i used to do it 20 years ago it used to be i think you'd actually bowl into a police station and give them your (laughs) driving license or whatever it was but now it's had a bit of an impasse with the gloucestershire fa because there's a, po- a possibility which hasn't been confirmed that I might be able to do some coaching in my little girl's school next year, okay. which I was keen to do, but I wanted to preempt it by getting the police background check done so I was ready to go. But when I spoke to Gloucester FA, there was a big to-do and they said, oh, I thought I was in the process and it was like, actually, you need the school to sponsor you. But I was like, well, they haven't confirmed that I'm going to be coaching yet. So yeah. or you need a club to be affiliated. Yeah, do, so you, do you handle the background stuff so, for people? So it is, 
it can be different and they do change it quite regularly um luckily with our local stuff in gloucestershire we we have an account with um gloucestershire county council so mm. they sort of um recognize 80 soccer camps and super strikers as an official supplier of children's activities yeah. so we have an account with them so if we have any new licensed coaches or coaches who are just coaching for us in the local area we can just add them to our account via via that brilliant um there are online websites now who will do personal um mm. dbs checks um but then you just got to make sure the, the right local one. councils approve it yeah. um so it is not it's not always straightforward however each county have different rules and regulations yes which you're yeah. having to contend with now i suppose yes yes so um like i said it, the best way to do it is to basically be associated with your local council um and they they can then basically approve you via their system yeah good stuff well wish the best of luck with that i want to ask you quickly about cheltenham town then are you yeah. keep, keeping an eye on it yeah, so I try to keep an eye on all my former clubs. Um, so um, obviously Cheltenham, um, one of our coaches actually locally plays for Gloucester City, mm. uh, Danny. So uh, obviously try and keep an eye on there. They're doing quite well, aren't they? Getting good, good crowds. Yeah, so they've always been you know, a, a reasonably big club, Gloucester City. Um, and obviously with them not having a home ground mm. for 10 years or so. Played up at Evesham for a period. Exactly. I think you, lost, you lose that... Um, that following you know you lose a generation really of, of potential following but I think since they've been back at home what's it about a year or 18 months yeah. now um I think they're slowly building that back up again obviously competing with the rugby team there um but yeah it's always been a big big football club at Gloucester City so you know the rivalry I think maybe before you move to the Cheltenham area but you know, oh yeah! When I, when I played, the rivalry of Cheltenham. I remember playing Boxing Day fixtures at four or five thousand people in, like you know, in the national league level. It was a massive, massive game of football. Yeah, I do know about it because I got called up on it on social media because I was kind of getting carried away with the modern bandwagon. El, El Glossico, yeah. Forest Green, and yeah. they said no, El Glossico is Gloucester yeah. City versus Cheltenham yeah. Town. It's not. It's not that. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, Gloucester City, Cheltenham Town was a big local derby, and it, they always used to put it on Boxing Day. Back, you know, the local games in non-league football was mm. always like Boxing Day and Easter Monday. I think it was. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I played obviously for both, against both, so I've sort of seen it from both sides, yeah. Did you get flack from fans and stuff when yeah. you were walking around ahead of the game? After oh, yeah, the game? yeah. Well, really, I am a Cheltenham boy, yeah. you know, I'm Bishop's Cleave, so... Um, so yelling traitor at you, were they? Or? Yeah, I had a, a little bit of stick when I went to Gloucester City, but, you know, I have fond memories of Gloucester City. We had, we had um, Leroy Vecinia was manager for quite a bit with me there, and... He was a, a really good manager, tactical manager. Was that after he'd been at Brentford or before he was at Brentford? Because he was—I remember interviewing him at Brentford. Yeah, he so he left Gloucester City. I think he went to Torquay yeah. United. Um, and now he lives in—he lives in Bristol area, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But I can remember obviously Gloucester City with Leroy was manager. So we had his son Liam, who used to come training. Yeah, and he was, yeah he was literally like 10, 11, 12 year old, and he used to literally train with us. Um, but also we had uh, A.D. Mings, who was one of our centre forward at the time. So he used to bring Tyrone, who was about f two or three at the time. Wow. So, you know, now you look back, it's like, wow, you know, he's <laughs> playing for England. He's manager of Derby. And they used to like turn up training and watch us at matches. I think Liam Rosidia being a manager as well is one of those moments when you think, geez, I'm getting old. Because like, yeah. like you think about him coming through, he still seems like a young player, like time yeah. flies. And it's the same with actually the coaching side of things, because 
we're now on the next generation to come to Andy Tucker soccer camps and super strikers where parents used to come on the course and now they're sending their children wow, on the amazing. course. So it makes you feel really old. <laughs> but nice you got that continuity, that yeah. tradition as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. And are the coaches, are they former sort of students on the courses as well? Yeah, so um, we're lucky um, local-wise. We, we have some stable coaches who have been with the company sort of quite a few years now. Like I said, Ash is the um, full-time sort of head coach now, and he's been with the company about 11, 12 years. Mm. Um, and Danny King is a Gloucester City player. He's been with the company about five years. And Simon Greenwood, um, who's a local coach, um, does a lot of local football as well with the adults. Uh, he's been with the company 10 years as well. So we've got some sort of stable coaches. Good people are the key, aren't yeah. they? To a business, yeah. I guess. Who, who sort of know the area, know mm. the schools. Um, so yeah, they're great, great people to have on board, yeah. Yeah, you want good people. Even on the, the super strikers, that's the thing, is you don't want people to be losing their rag with the kids and, no, under, exactly. your, under your name. Yeah. You can normally tell... Um, after a quick um, meeting that if they got the right nature to work with two and three year olds yeah um but you, i say you've just got to be a bit silly really sense of humor yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah not not have too many hard and fast objectives no. in the session no yeah i want this kid to hit it top corner by the end of the session it's not necessarily <laughs> gonna come to fruition and, and Cheltenham town it's yeah it, it always strikes me you're obviously born and bred in the area the sort of pessimism and i've spoken to you about where the clubs come from and other people mm. and they're still like oh we're gonna Go back down, but I said, well, "Hang on a minute, you were a non-league club in the '90s, and yeah. now you're you yeah. know, League One, and you got the, the record place finish." And I understand it's a difficult season. Yeah. Well, how do you see the the club now? Yeah, so obviously, you know, with losing Duffo in the in the summer, um, and obviously the manager coming in quite late mm. into, into the start of the season. Um, you know, if I think if they finish out of the bottom in the relegation, if they finish just outside, I think I'd be delighted. Mm. Um, I think that's the target. Lost a lot of players, I think, in the last yeah. few years as well. Yeah, and it's difficult, you know, because there's some. I was looking at the league table, some big, big mm. teams in League One. You know, played like, too bit Peterborough and Barnsley. Yeah, it, kind it of... looks like a Championship League, really, if you look at all the teams. Yeah. In there. So, um, you know, they just got to try and sort of, you know, work out a system which can pick them up points. And mm. try and be competitive, especially at home, and um, you know, try and beat the teams around them. Yeah. Really, is, is the important thing. Yeah, we're speaking Tuesday night of August. This will probably go out next week. But they played Barnsley and Peterborough United and had narrow defeats. Mm. And I was quite bored because I messaged John Palmer, who's obviously the Gloucestershire Live local journalist who covers them home and away year in year out. Big Cheltenham fan as well, which he's, he's impartial as reporting in fairness. But he it runs deep with with John. I know he used to be a former press officer there, and he said. He feels that it's been a good a good start and actually mm. in confidence inspiring because of the, the nature of those teams being former championship teams and it's been yeah. close. Yeah, I think the last thing you want to do really is get you know beat four or five nil mm. on the first few games of the season because then the confidence goes. Um, so to to just have narrow defeats, I think that actually will give them belief that you know actually we can compete and should be able to pick up points on, on on another day we might get a bit of luck um so yeah i think i think they will use that as a positive the first two results actually yeah good stuff we wish Cheltenham the best and forest green and gloucester city of course <laughs> always try and say that i got asked at a q a the cricket festival actually who do you support i had to be quite diplomatic about that but so i do live in Cheltenham if, if that's mm. a, a clue out the local the local clubs but the pessimism around the, the football club at Cheltenham and and we you alluded to gloucester city the being in the shadow of the rugby club where do you see it going because you've been here throughout your life because I think it feels like 
the area is expanding and you're getting a lot of kids on campus. Do you feel that football, the football clubs around here can grow and can establish themselves up because of the, it seems like the population is growing and maybe there'll be football fans? Yeah, well, if you think about it, like I said, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't a professional team mm. in Gloucestershire. You know, Charlton Town were, were sort of in the National League in the, the Dr. Martins League as it was known then. Gloucester City were the same. And Forest Green were even lower than that, mm. you know. So if you think where it's come over the last few years, you know, now have two teams, not even in League Two. That's, you've got to remember, that's two Gloucestershire teams in League One. Mm. Yeah. So if you would have said that 20 years ago, I think everyone would have laughed at you. And if they fuel each other, it's not like a, a feast or famine, is it? It seems like together mm. they actually drag it up because it sort of creates that rivalry, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it, it's just amazing, really, where they've where they've come from you know last last five ten years you know to Chatham Town to a get promoted to division one was brilliant but then to have the season they did last season and comfortably stay in the division you know that's fantastic and obviously Forest Green getting promoted into league one um you know to have a like say Gloucestershire derby in league one you would have never have thought that you know that so many years ago yeah so I think it's it's amazing I think we got a basically just remember where where we were and where we are today um to have such a competitive you know Gloucestershire football is is fantastic absolutely it's gonna be a special those not I won't call them El Glossicos but those derbies <laughs> when they when they come up although I might keep my head down on the prom because there's always a, sort yeah, of a bit of interest think, early on I in those days so, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is part of the the spice of sometimes the, the rough side of it can spill over but it's good mm. to have that passion because it, it definitely fuels it and I know for you to say that's big as well in terms of the competition because you live up by the race course which must yeah. be interesting yeah. at so, certain times of year yeah so obviously yeah I literally live not far from the entrance of the race course the other side anyway so so yeah, obviously that's interesting. Quite a few days of the year, and to get to and from places and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been quiet in that one year in lockdown when they missed it. Yeah, it's yeah. surreal. Yeah, it's um, obviously you know living, being Bishop's Cleve born and bred, you're used to it. You know, you know that one week in the year it's just chaos, and you just keep your head down, and you know what times to avoid the roads, when to sort of go into Cheltenham if need be, and when not to. So yeah, you just learn to to, to understand it. I think. Well, Andy, it's brilliant to see you. I really appreciate you coming over. You look look well and the business is thriving, which is an inspiration. I think you said a really important thing there about people having an opportunity during lockdown maybe to pivot and to do something they're passionate about. And you've you followed your passion and it's it's going well, so I'm really chuffed. Yeah, well, thanks very much and thanks for your time and uh, for your interview today. Well, thank you. And you're on social media personally as well, aren't you? If some of your former students want to follow you. Yeah, so obviously on Facebook as normal. Um, we've got business, obviously, social media platforms and um, personal ones as well, yeah. Good stuff. Andy, go well. Speak to you Thank you. Bye. Really enjoyed that conversation. Lovely man and fantastic. He's doing so well. Real passionate about Cheltenham and the area and children and development. And I think that's really cool. I think using football as a vehicle through Super Strikers to encourage other skill sets like communication, understanding of numbers, understanding of, of instruction discipline going somewhere being confident to have instruction from a coach before you go to school really cool idea really appreciate andy's time with that coming over i hope you liked it please rate it on itunes whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on thank you for being here first and foremost appreciate it thank you to bang olufsen of cheltenham the sponsors and serene av their sister company specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service 
and installations if you are looking to optimize your immunity remember that discount code at cytoplan.co.uk is draper tenar my last name d-r-a-p-e-r the numerals one zero and the capital letter r all the letters are capital and don't forget that free mentoring session available with anthony asprey of the whole man academy as i say listen back to a previous episode of the podcast he'll explain all about the whole man academy and it is available to women as well i know there are some women who listen to the podcast albeit majority male listenership uh, it is available to you yourself but they specialize as the name suggests in male issues professional personal but five sessions to give away act fast and book one through the show notes and if you're looking and interested in the concept of recording family histories we are starting a company attic box audio it's there now atticboxaudio.co.uk where we document life stories or particular moments and times in people's lives maybe a, a loved one they want to put on record their history and their partnership together maybe that's a, an example but you can check out more at drapermedia.co.uk you can get to attic box audio through there or just atticboxaudio.co.uk Thank you for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. Have a great week and speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.